welcome to the second episode of Yonitudes Bridgerton Book Club. My name is Anya. My name is Grace. We are two friends that like to shoot the shit about books, shows, movies, and pop culture with a lot of sass for no good reason. In this episode of the Bridgerton Book Series, we're going al fresco. Picnics, yes, yachts, garden trysts, and duels at dawn in mysterious parks. So here we go. I'm so excited. <laughs> Let's dive right in. You have more background about the author? For a little fun facts about our author of this book series, Julia Quinn. All right, Anya, are you ready? Julia yeah. Quinn is the author of this book, of these books. Her actual name, Julia Quinn, is a pen name. Her actual name is Julie Pottinger. Julie Pottinger? Yeah. Interesting. Well, she was originally, her, her maiden name is Julie Cotler. Cotler? All of these are really British names, though. All of these uh, could appear Do as you characters. Think this is about like a family member. <gasps> what if this is like her grandmother? Isn't there like a Taylor <laughs> Swift song about that? It's not based on historical <laughs> anything. That's right. <laughs> um, she is a best-selling American historical romance author. Her novels have been translated into 41 languages, and that is because she has appeared on the New York Times bestseller list. Do you want to guess how many times? How many books again? Well, so there's eight Bridgerton books. Yeah, but... I books... don't know how many books total. Oh, okay. That's a really good question, actually. I don't know, 14? 19 times. <gasps> I was so close. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So, yeah, she's a best-selling author. Well, I did know that her books were in multi-languages because my mom just told me she downloaded the French audiobook because she wants me to read these books in French. I Yes. <laughs> I saw that text. Okay, so last time on this Bridgerton Book Club, we covered the very beginning of book one, The Duke and I by Julia Quinn. And this time we're going to cover the second section. So we're going to cover chapters seven through the end of chapter 13. So basically to bookend those is it starts with them telling Anthony that it's a fake relationship. And it ends with their marriage. So we pick up when Daphne and Simon are just about to tell Anthony or Anthony? Anthony. Anthony. Lo and behold, it worked. And Daphne is able to get a bunch of suitors and is called this season's incomparable. Wow. Very happy for her. So basically everything I said okay. last episode. <laughs> no, seriously. Because now I feel like, well, because I was like always talking about, oh, she's like, that's such a deviation from the show. Because she mm -hmm. wasn't the incomparable, but well, she is. And I, mean, I just I, had to wait one chapter to figure that out. <laughs> well, I mean, I do think that the difference is that in the shows, we do go on like a whole thing about how the queen like decides and bestows upon someone like the honor of being the diamond of the season, the diamond of the first water, whatever the heck the first water is. Yeah, what is that? Oh, I well, maybe know. because in this chapter, they do go to Greenwich, which is the starting for all longitude and latitude, yeah, nautical, all of that thing. Yes. Or as you might write in your notes, Grenache. I did? Okay. So it auto-corrected. Oh, <laughs> and, yes. And, sure. It, it auto-corrected to Grenache. You know what? Grenache would be in your auto-correct. 
Exactly. Um, I think that says a lot about me. And also, Simon gets a new name as the Devastating Duke. Devastating Duke. I was also surprised. It came from Miss Featherington, which I thought was interesting. Like one of the Feathering sisters. Not Penelope. No, I know. Philippa? Maybe. Like she basically was heard, overheard saying to someone else, oh, that Duke is devastatingly handsome. And then some guy shortened it. Oh, so she actually didn't say the words devastating. No, she just said the Duke of Hastings is devastatingly handsome. And then over, someone overheard oh, her and then then changed it into the devastating duke. So she didn't like coin that term. Um, but Anthony is grumpy about it. He basically makes an ultimatum when he finds out, like when they're kind of explaining the situation, um, because he's like, "This is this can be really devastating for Daphne because if people did find out that they were doing a fake relationship, that would just like cause a lot of questions." And so he he basically says if if you bring any kind of he says to Simon yeah I guess dishonor for lack of a better word or if you do anything kind of like untowards towards her you need to marry her and that was kind of like a an agreement that they had like I'm gonna hold you to that I'm not gonna like let you out of it because you're my buddy yeah you're you're gonna have to do well, it well this is where I kind of like I don't know I feel like the friendship is just like viewed very differently from like the the first part of the book to now i feel like this there's definitely been like a shift in the friendship because i feel like he's being like really like harsh with simon yeah i mean i guess i mean i guess it is an interesting thing to know about antony and it will become relevant like later on in the series that antony like puts his family and like his family's reputation and his family's needs as like the paramount thing above like his little buddy old pal well, not just, like, later in the series. I feel like it also just, like, speaks to Simon's character because he made this, like, gentlemanly agreement yeah. that, like, yes, if I do dishonor your sister, I will mm-hmm. marry her. Whereas, like, spoiler, at the end he tries of to this not. section, when push comes to shove, he, like, reneges on that agreement. And then, uh, nevertheless, despite Antony, like, not really loving this situation but deciding to go along with it, they have a family dinner. They invite the Duke, who's kind of like now courting Daphne to dinner. And Violet, the mom, is like crazy anxious about having the Duke over because their family, the Bridgertons, are always having such informal dinners. And it is a really funny like interaction between Violet and Daphne because Violet's like, oh my gosh, he's coming over. I don't even have like a beef course during this dinner (laughs) i know i thought that was really funny and i also thought like as they were like listing off the dishes that they were serving turtle turtle soup came up and i was Mm -hmm. like how is that common and i like googled it and it was like super common at this time is there turtles in turtle soup yes (gasps) like it was okay so it was really popular in london during this era and it actually Mm -hmm. decreased in popularity towards like the end of the regency and like Eight, like or 1824 because they mm-hmm. overfished the turtle population oh my god i know fun fact <laughs> if we ever this ever comes up in trivia but yeah because i was like that's so weird i like would never expect turtle soup to be like a normal thing that people in this time period would have just a, a casual dinner 
I don't remember if she actually does get beef. I don't think she does because Daphne is like, he, he doesn't mind. Like he knows it's informal. Mm. And part of that also I thought was interesting is she was like, well, part of the reason why she's worried about it is because a Duke wouldn't be accustomed to having adults and children sitting at the table. Like he wouldn't be accustomed. Like it's not part of their culture to have family dinners with the entire family there with like the little kids. And so I thought that was interesting too. And so Daphne convinces her mom at that time like it's okay don't change anything the duke is coming and he'll join us but just like stick to the original dinner plan and they do and it turns out that Simon is great with kids yeah and he loved it and he I think he even like said something that it it was like interesting because he's like not from a family that gets along and he like grew up by himself and so now like seeing like a functional like large family dynamic with like a mother who like was there and raised her kids and has such a deep connection I feel I feel like he just like saw a different like family life and then that's also when we find out that children are is really important to Daphne and that that's like a really important that becomes important later on as well yeah, that's when she says that she's always wanted to have kids. Yeah. And we, the reader, know that Simon has made a vow that he will never have kids. He has a totally different family life. His dad never liked him. And so to see a parent like like their kids, want to be around them, want to have them at dinner, is totally new for him. And he, But he does love it. Like He loves having those kids around. He loves interacting with them. And But I think what's also important about this interaction is we see at least in Simon's mind him being like okay this is a difference between what I want and what Daphne wants and so he's already putting in kind of like an like a distant like a barrier so he's like Mm. I can't take this relationship this relationship is like only a facade and it's like temporary yeah whereas like for Daphne at this point she and she says it later on in this like section of chapters that she's like falling in love with him so then after their dinner they also have another family outing where they all get together and they go to greenwich and that's really fun because it is an opportunity where we do get to characterize some of the uh bridgerton siblings better uh gregory is the second youngest he's the youngest boy and he's like always running around being like such a troublemaker like knocking people over putting frogs in people's beds like doing kooky stuff um and hyacinth is the youngest and honestly the way that i think about hyacinth is in is in this section quite a bit she talks a lot during this picnic and um she's basically kind of like the eloise Uh, uh she's not like an intellectual in the way that Eloise is like she's not like a nerdy like bookworm but she is like sassy and funny and precocious at one point Simon is like oh she's like a 40 year old woman in a 10 year old body they have a whole interaction where she's like oh we in Greenwich is like where like Queen Elizabeth came and then someone like laid down a coat for her and then he's like "Uh oh and starts looking around and he's like, and she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm looking for puddles just in case I have to put any coats down for you. And she's like, oh my gosh. And she's really charmed by that. And um, she says to him, like, if you marry my sister, you have my approval. And if not, I'd appreciate it if you'd wait for me. Which is just, I mean, it's 
like kind of weird but it's also kind of cute i think yeah i think she was just being sassy i thought it was she meant it <laughs> yeah but i thought it was funny i mean it was funny I, well then he turned well then then simon turns to daphne and he's like how old is she again <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like that's like something i would have done as like a young child and like yeah. not like and like i would have known it was like funny yeah but like not really like got it completely through um but then we also get introduced well i guess you kind of already said this but to gregory who's the younger one was like fooling around like on the gangplank he's just like being a dumbo on the gangplank like he's doing i don't even understand he was just like it's unclear what he was doing but then i guess simon was being like really like was really worried and started freaking out because it was like wet and was scared he was gonna like slip off so simon goes to grab him and then ends up in the water and then gregory is like scooting back on his butt because he's like oh shit i just knocked simon into the water but isn't looking where he's scooting and backs oh. up into Antony, who then falls off <laughs> the gangplank into the water. Well, that's so So stupid. it was so dumb. No, I just thought, I don't know. I just thought that, like, I feel like there could have been, like, a funnier way because Miss, Miss Whistledown, like, built this up. So at the beginning of that chapter, she's, like, talking about how, like, the Bridgertons and Simon, like, go on this, like, romantic family adventure and like to come back wet and she like sets it up to be like kind of scandalous and then when you actually end the chapter and that's the reason why they're wet you're like oh i thought they were like fighting over daphne so i don't know i guess maybe i built it up too much in my head oh for sure <laughs> the way that lady whistledown sets it up is like you think that daphne and simon are gonna come back and like they've fallen into the lake or something and it's actually just like some kind of weird hijinks with a gangplank um and you know what's also confusing is the situation between simon and daphne at this point yeah because this has been successful he's coming around a lot daphne is loving it and part of the reason she's loving it is because she secretly knows to herself that she does have feelings for simon like she is like kind of falling in love with him and he has been very vocal about like he, he has made no secret that he has no interest in getting married. He has no interest in having a family and he's just doing this for like some kind of other ends. But she's like, oh, maybe I can change his mind. Yeah. Well, I just think and it goes back to what I was saying earlier, like when he was at the dinner and there was that like stark difference that he was aware of that like between want, the want and not wanting kids. I feel like he's kind of like already like set himself up to think of their interaction differently than Daphne has. And I'm finding Daphne as she as like we're reading and progressing through these chapters, she just sees hope in everything he's doing. And I think I think that's really interesting. For sure. Into I mean, how their their romantic interaction is kind of like growing and and pl- playing out. Oh yeah, for sure. She's like watching everything that Simon does, um, like under a microscope, and she's really, really looking for any sort of signs or signals from him. And there, I mean, I thought at the time that there were a lot of red flags, um, that were being demonstrated about their relationship. Like something's off here. So. They're going to these balls on a pretty regular basis. And then at a certain point, um, Antony says, like, hey, Daphne is not getting anyone to dance with her because you are around. And so no one wants to approach her. And so Simon is like, "Okay, sorry, and backs off, stop spending time with her. And then she's kind of like hurt by that and kind of upset. 
And then at the same time, Antony is saying to Daphne, he's not the one for you. Don't be interested in him. This isn't right. He doesn't really like you. He doesn't really want to marry you. He might be into you enough to try to sleep with you or make a move on you. Like maybe he thinks you're cute. Is he going to freaking marry you? No. And she's like, oh, I don't think that's true. I do think he likes me because I do see him like looking at me sometimes in a way that makes me think that like he desires me or likes me or thinks I'm cute. And so even though I know that he's not interested in me and even though I know that Antony says he's not interested in me, I'm I'm still holding out hope and I'm still going to try to kind of like when I can, however I can manipulate the situation into something that's going to end up with me and Simon together. I feel like he obviously likes her and so is being flirty back. And so it isn't completely just like one sided. Like he is also showing interest. And I think she's just being like overly optimistic and picking up on that. And she doesn't know that there's like an ultimatum like that. He just like doesn't want kids and that's where he's going to like draw the line. And so I guess I like understand where she's coming from and kind of like fantasizing a bit and seeing and being like oh well maybe he'll change his mind because I think that is kind of like an attitude of like men that these women might have also been taught I have some problems with the boundaries between Daphne and Simon and the one main example I have comes up later on so there's a third event they go to a party Lady Trowbridge's ball whatever and um during that ball, basically, an older duke who was friends with Simon's father comes up to him and is like, hey, I was friends with your dad. I was actually with him when he died. And I have a bunch of letters that he left for you, Simon. And Simon is like, burn him. I don't ever want to see him. I never want to have any, anything to do with my dad ever again. Bye. I never want to talk to you. And he, like, gets really mad and he storms off. She, like... She's talking to this older guy and he's like, somebody needs to take these letters. I can't hold on to them anymore. And he's like, I, I'll give them to you. She's like, oh, I don't think I'm the right person to take these letters. And he's like, no, I think you are the right person. And I just feel like the, Daphne, she just like takes an inch and goes a mile with it. And so she does agree to take the letters and... I thought that that was a red flag because she's accepting these letters without Simon's knowledge or permission. Like Simon said out loud with regular human words, I don't want to see those letters. Like, please get rid of them. And then Daphne, unbeknownst to him, is like over here being like, yeah, give them to me. I'll hold on to him. And then someday I'll give them to Simon when he's in a better mood. But I think it's just... But I think this, she just, like, doesn't realize, like, I don't think she understands, like, the gravity. And so for her, like, the worst thing she can think of is just, like, maybe a fight with her mom. I I guess in that situation where that older Duke, see, I, I guess I got, I had a completely different tone. And maybe this is also because I am listening to an audiobook. And so I'm listening to someone kind of, like, act it out. But it sounded like my interpretation was like the Duke, that older Duke was just like really honestly was like, he's just like, I'm just trying to honor my like dead friend's wish. And 
he might like change his mind later on and i just like i don't want these letters to die with me like i think they should be accessible for him if he does change his mind and i think daphne was like i agree but i don't think i'm the right person and then this duke was like oh no like i think you are was and i think she took that as like oh this duke sees like chemistry and like potential in our relationship and i think she was just almost like flattered because it was like this was someone who was kind of like validating her feelings and it was like an external factor validating that so i actually see that interaction from like a completely different light so that same night they go out onto the terrace so she is standing out on the terrace which is like attached to the main ballroom so they haven't done anything weird yet but he's you know he comes out they're standing there she's looking up at the sky and she's like oh i love stars i love to see the stars but it's cloudy today you can't see them and he's like did you know that in the southern hemisphere the stars are all different and she's like what and he's like yeah stars are different i'm a worldly well-traveled person and she's like wow He's like, well, I really wish I could see the stars. That Let's just go stargazing. Let's walk over here and see if we can see the stars better. And he's like, oh, I don't know about that. And she's like, no, come on. I'm going with or without you. So you can either come with me into the garden or you can, like, not. And she is trying to get him to, like, go off into the garden with her. And so she goes. And he goes with her. I was just going to say, that was, that's interesting because I feel like I have a completely different view of that interaction again. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Like, I just think, so I thought that she, so like after they had that like conversation with that older Duke, that he was angry. So he kind of just like stormed off out onto the terrace and then like she went out after him to kind of just be like what's going on and that's when he was like I'm sorry like I just don't like talking about my father and then they got they just kept talking and kind of got more flirty and I thought she felt emboldened by because she thought like he was like flirting with her and she was like oh he likes me and so she And I also do think she, like, yeah, forced him into a situation where he couldn't say no because she was like, I'm going to go in the garden without you. And he was like, well, I can't leave you because that's improper. And I also can't go with you because that's improper. But, like, the worst, like, for safety-wise is to leave her. So he goes with her. And then that's when they end up, like, alone and together in the garden. But they end up alone in the garden. And then at this point, Simon does get like really dramatic about making out with Daphne. And he's like, she's standing there and she like turns back and she looks at him. And he's like, like, if I can't kiss her right now, I shall simply just perish. I just thought it was kind of annoying because he's like, I'm, I burn for her. I burn for her. But she doesn't know anything about sex and she can't possibly understand the effect that she's having on me right now. And I'm, Duh. it was very dramatic. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, I don't know, I guess that just, like, didn't really, like, stick out to me. Like, I feel like I was, like, reading it, and I was like, oh, in this context, this makes sense. And, because I think, because, like, she said earlier in that chapter that she was, like, having, like, sexy dreams about him. 
like inappropriate dreams. So I guess I just was assuming that she had like some sort of knowledge and like that's why she was like emboldened because she was like she knew like I I thought she knew like what was going to happen as soon as they went into the garden. Later on, we find out that she doesn't know anything about sex. The extent that she knows so about sex in the is book, like that's kissing. not just in the show. Like I think there's even less prior knowledge in the books than in the show because in the books, Simon is part of Daphne's like sexual awakening when he's like, "Well, don't you like?" They have some kind of conversation out when they're like at the park, basically when they're like having a picnic. And they, he's like, well, don't you think about that? Like when you touch yourself, like they talk about basically masturbation. Yeah, and but that's in the show. That's, that's in the, the show. Book. Yeah, that's the, that's in the show. That's what I'm saying. Is no, like, no, no, no. In but the I'm show, just saying she's in the like book. knows more oh, about what's okay. happening. In the show, she knows more about what's happening just because she has now, like, masturbated at least one time, and in the books, she's never done that. I mean, I'm sure she knows what kissing is. I guess I would assume no, that, but maybe not. No, I think she knows what kissing is. In the books, she's the one who's like, come on, let's go out there. And then because I, she does know what kissing is. She's seen her parents kiss. She's seen other people kiss. She's like aware of kissing. Um, She's not aware of more than that is what I think. So I think that she's like kissing is as far as this can go. Like there's no other thing, is there? Mm. And they get out there and then they start like making out like pretty heavily making out and he like starts to like he gets really into it he's really dramatic and he's like oh my god i burn for her so they do start kissing and then he's like trying to take off her dress and like pulling it down the question though and i really was asking myself this question simon basically is like trying to like kiss her chest like trying to like you know like kiss all the way down her neck and under her chest and kiss her boobs and all this stuff so he's pulling her dress down and that's how they're caught but i really was like wait a second i have a different understanding of like regency clothing and regency undergarments yeah that wouldn't allow so basically like when they are exposed like someone does come and find them we'll talk about in a second but someone comes and finds them, and I'm pretty sure that, like, at least one breast is exposed at that time. And how the heck did he get that out there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's hard because even in, like, my, like, it, like I'm wearing a t-shirt right now. And if you tried to get my t-shirt down to, like, show a boob, it would be hard. Like, it would not. You'd have to rip the pa- fabric. And, like, yeah. I don't understand how this dress is constructed. Well, I mean, I guess a dress is not, like, a t-shirt. I mean, I'm going to Google it, though. I'm going to look it up. Like, Regency undergarments. No. no <laughs> so, Smithsonian Magazine says, Women's rights were severely restricted in 19th century England, but their armor undergarments weren't to blame. And the trouble is that nearly all of these depictions are exaggerated or just plain wrong. Davidson, Hillary Davidson, a dress historian and the author of Dress in the Age of Austin, says that while they sought sexiness and cleavage and maximum exposure, the way they've cut the garments actually flattens everyone's busts. 
if they'd gone back to the Regency style of corset, you would have gotten a whole lot more bosom. You would have had boobs for days. But that's interesting because I actually thought there was a lot of like, so I actually thought while I was watching Bridgerton, because I was like, this is way more cleavage than I've ever seen in any BBC masterpiece theater rendition of a Regency piece. So I would thought that Bridgerton was like over accentuating the cleavage, but they're not. No. Yeah. What this costume historian is saying is that Bridgerton is actually downplaying the bustiness, downplaying the boobs. That's so crazy to me. (laughs) It just, it seems so weird because they're so like strict in so many other ways, except like you can't show your ankle, but you can show your tits. What yeah. I was what I was gonna say, the confusing part about the whole like dress and like cost like boob situation is I was so confused by the different accounts because he was like first talking about how he was just like pulling down like the front and then later on when he's like helping her out of that prickly bush, he was like, Oh, I shouldn't be embarrassed because I basically had her dressed all the way down to her waist. And then but then later he was like and Daphne was like pulling up her bodice. And I was like, Okay, so how much of her was actually exposed? Because I feel like all three of those accounts are very different. And I feel like the my understanding of dresses at that time does not make that possible. Because I feel like it was a, aren't they usually like, like a corset and then it's like the dress on top and the corset's like a lace up. So if you were going Mm -hmm. to, or maybe he did, maybe then you can just like pull the dress down and he didn't actually pull anything out. He just like pulled the dress down and like kissed. He got her cleavage. Yeah. He was like kissing her And she was still in the corset. That makes way more sense. Yeah. I mean, we're not there yet. So what happens is they're making out. He may or may not have some kind of tits out. She she may or may not have some kind of tits out. Well, I think she definitely does because then later in the chapter she says that Anthony saw her boob and that's not appropriate for a brother and a sister. Like I don't know, I can't remember the exact way she said it, but she definitely did address it. And I was yeah. like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> like that's so scandalous for like a first time. Yeah, so they're making out, they're heavily making out, and all of a sudden, coming out of nowhere is antony antony finds them out there making out in the bushes and he's like what the fuck is going on here guys and he gets really upset and he like charges at him and he's like get away from her get away from my sister don't kiss her i knew you were gonna do this and you know what he does antony does get i told you so rights no, he's 100% right. And this is where I think Simon is a shitty friend. Because he, like, knew going in, he, they made that verbal contract. Yeah. And I feel like, cause, and the reason why they did that is because Antony knew this would happen. Yeah, I mean, Antony did say, like, I know you. You're my friend and I know you. And I know that, like, if a girl is into you, you're going to make out with her. And I know, and you have no intention of marrying that girl. And I know that, like, my sister is a nice girl who's going to expect marriage. And so I know that there's a disconnect between the two of you. And he was trying to stop it from the jump. Oh, 100%. But the piece that that he doesn't realize is that he truly does love Daphne. Who's Simon? Yeah. And so he's not (laughs) actually, he, like, Antony is operating off of, like, oh, he's just a rake, and this is, like, super rakish behavior. Once a rake, always a rake. But he's a rake rake with a heart of gold. (laughs) 
Because he loves her. Okay. At the end of the day, he does. Or is he just like really hot for her? No, it's true love. <laughs> it's true love. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, in any case, it's true love where you're, you know, um, your brother-in-law is trying to beat you up. Well, honestly, <laughs> rightly so. No, because Anthony Simon right. Simon is being the worst. Yeah, Anthony. He really is. Anthony called it. Like, he, he did. called it. And he said, I this knew you are going to make it with my sister. I always knew you were going to make it with my sister. Honestly, further proof, he's the best Bridgerton. Is that a hot take? You disagree because you think it's Colin? <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> Who knows? We shall see. Shall We have eight books to find out who's the best Bridgerton. We'll find out later. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. But um, Aunt Daphne, Daphne is like trying to break up the fight. She's like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. And she's like trying to, she's trying to get in between the two of them. And then somebody, unclear who, like elbows her, knocks her into a nearby bush. A nettle bush. It's a nettle bush. Whatever the hell. Yeah, sure. And... <laughs> So my and dog gets into nettle bushes all the time and then he like will lick his fur and then he'll get all the pricks in his tongue and so they'll get sticky in his throat and so oh. he's like trying to hack it up and then you have to like feed him peanut butter because it lubricates the throat and the fat helps like lubricate the prickies out. Has this all been a, an elaborate ploy To talk Winslow? about Winslow? <laughs> no. I was going to say is this an elaborate ploy by Winslow to get peanut butter? Maybe. <laughs> He knows. Maybe. He knows. Um, well, you know, honestly, that would have been a good idea because so Daphne, she gets knocked into a bush and it is described very dramatically as a bush with razor sharp spikes. It's a very dramatic description of a bush. Yeah. Well, she's like, oh, and I feel and like, then they're I like definitely and they stop fighting, even though they have been inflicting pretty serious punches on each other well just over dramatic and maybe it's a different bush and i'm just like not aware but the bushes that are like this back home are not that bad like they're painful if you fall into them but it's not like i feel like they're being very very dramatic i guess i pictured it not quite as a thistle but like a rose i pictured it kind of like a rose bush yeah that's and what if i'm you picturing fell too. into a rose bush that would hurt that would it would suck. hurt but i feel like they're because they, they describe how like precise and like how how much precision simon uses in like wrapping his arms around daphne and making sure like all of her like flesh is clear and so like nothing like snags too much and i just feel like if you're pulling someone out of a rose bush you don't spend that much care like your skin your skin's gonna tear but it's not gonna be anything crazy i mean i think we are operating in a world when we're like the ladies skin is like tissue paper yeah maybe <laughs> and then that's probably true and then i was but i was just like is there some sort of like english garden bush variety that i am just like <laughs> that is like this sounds like a terrible bush <laughs> yeah like maybe you shouldn't plant this in your yard <laughs> unless, it's like a torture device I mean, unless you're trying to like ward off people i mean like you know in scotland their oh, national the you know the scots their national plant is the thistle and the reason for that did i tell you you already know this no go for it so the the reason that the national plant of scotland is the thistle is because centuries ago when the vikings landed on their shores they would try to sneak into the scottish towns silently with bare feet in the dead of night but then they would step 
on thistle bushes and then howl in pain Honestly? because of the thistles. And they'd be like, ow, ow, ow. And then they would alert the local Scottish towns to their presence. And so the thistles saved Scotland from the Vikings. That's so genius. Um. Anyway. Brain. Okay. So her dress is in tatters. She so dramatic. Her dress is in tatters. Her dress is in tatters. She can't be seen by anyone. Her dress, I mean, as far as I can tell, her dress is going to like fall to the ground. Also, I <laughs> loved the description in the book when they were like, um, Simon like turned to, what's his name? Anthony. Anthony and was like, she's going to need your jacket. <laughs> and then he was like, he was already taking it off. And then they like wrap it around Daphne. And then they go into this big description about how the jacket is like so fitted when it's on Anthony. And then like Daphne is so small. So it like wraps around her. And I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, right. I was like, like, this is so dramatic. She's just so, she's just so dainty. It's like he is so big and strong and she's so dainty. It's like they're brother and sister. Let's move it along. Yeah, it's weird. But uh, Antony is like, this is not the end, Simon. We are going to duel. And Simon's like, yeah, I know. Oh, my God. I almost <laughs> forgot about the duel. Yeah, we haven't even made it to the duel yet. So, so, so Antony is like, we're going to have to duel. And Antony's like, yeah, I know. Other way around. <laughs> okay, but honestly. I'm repeating myself. <laughs> honestly. No, but honestly, I have a question about duels because I feel like when I was watching the show Bridgerton, I was like, okay, they're doing a duel. This isn't like that realistic. Like this doesn't happen. And I thought it was just a reaction to like, because I don't know. I feel like there's been a lot of duels in popular culture, like because of like basically my only reference is Hamilton. But anyway, so it's like realistically how common. were. Well, you know what, though, actually in Pride and Prejudice, uh, when... Lydia runs away with Wickham. The mom is super oh, anxious. Yeah. The mom is super anxious because she's like, "Uh oh, your father is gonna have to duel Mister Wickham, and then he shall be dead, and then we shall be destitute." I remember that? And so okay, I guess so yeah. duels on the table. Duels have always been on the table. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we learned something. Look at us. And so they go to duel, and I do have to say at this point, this is the part of the show, the Netflix show Bridgerton. That cracks me the heck up. <laughs> I laugh so hard about this. I think about it all the time because of the way that they talk about this. So Anthony is like, I'm going to duel you. And then he goes off and he finds, at the time, his girlfriend in the show. He doesn't have a girlfriend in the books that we know about. No one's described. But he has a girlfriend in the books. And she's an opera singer. And he goes and finds this girl. And he's like, I duel at dawn. <laughs> And so dramatic. Like, and she's like, an affair of honor. And uh, they did call it an affair of honor. That was a thing. She's like, an affair of honor. And he's like, yes. And if I win, if I if I lose, then I will be dead. And if I win, then I will be, it's illegal to duel. So I will be like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like kicked out of society. I will be well he'll be on the run because it's illegal yeah he'll be Dueling like was illegal at this time yeah it was illegal so he's like if i lose i will be like kicked out 
and I won't be able to stay in London anymore and I'll have to move abroad to the continent and so you can come with me and she's like oh my god what and they go and there's a very dramatic scene in the show where they go and they make out right in the foyer of her building and he strips off I mean he does I think he like physically rips her dress it's a bodice ripping scene (laughs) He rips it off. She jumps into his arms. They're like making out. The door is still open. You know what? <laughs> they the were whole, just so impassioned. The whole street and all the neighbors can see what's going down here. And then she reaches over and slams the door closed. And super dramatic. Wow, this really but made you know an what? impression on you. It, di- I, it did make an impression on me. But <laughs> just the way they said that, I've thought about that for years. I do well, at dawn. And a fair of honor. I've thought about this for years. Oh my god. Okay, a little bit dramatic. Yes, I would say. I never said I wasn't dramatic too. <laughs> well, that was evident. That's why this show is called Yonitude. <laughs> anyway, no, but like, okay, so that's my issue with it too because. Also, as part of that, when he, like, goes to duel and Benedict is his his second, he, like, turns to Benedict and he's like, if anything happens to me, there's, like, a woman's name in, like, the right-hand drawer of my desk or something. And he's like, make sure she's provided for. But then in the show, when, like, nothing actually bad happens... He doesn't end up providing for her. He just like drops her like a hot potato. And I think that's so rude. (laughs) I don't get it. And so they agree to duel and then they all go home. And then Daphne is like anxious as heck at home being really upset because her brother and her boyfriend are going to have a fight to the death. And so she is sitting there. She's stressing. And Colin, the third brother third oldest comes home and he comes finds her and he's like i have to talk to you i saw my friend at the party and my friend told me that he saw you go off into the gardens with the duke and it's okay he's not going to tell anybody but you should just know that i heard that and she's like okay what i need you to do is go find antony and find out where this duel is gonna take place well i also think it's important to note that the reason like this entire time even before colin came i'm pretty sure she was already like oh if i just if someone had seen us like he would have married me because he would marry me to protect me but he won't marry me to protect himself so she's i think when colin comes and tells her that oh someone did see you but it isn't gonna tell tell anyone she's just gonna use that as like further proof to be like okay this is just a sign that i need to tell him that someone saw us and just like so he'll marry me and not die you know i'm not a lawyer but the word i would use is entrapment yeah but also i don't think (laughs) that's so rude well i think that's like i think it's a little i think it's a little harsh because i don't think i think she's the alternative for her is death like she death well yeah i think she truly does believe that her brother's gonna shoot for her death for him okay yeah no i think she truly does believe that like her brother is gonna shoot simon and even simon thinks that like simon the entire time is like oh this is so unfortunate because I always knew I was going to die and I was okay with that. I was just like, wasn't okay dying as a result of a duel because there's no real honor there. Yeah, so like, I think she, I think she's doing it to protect him. 
It's true. He's like, what a what a way to di- what a way to go. That's a sucky way to die. <laughs> so Colin gets that information about where the duel is taking place, and he brings it back to Daphne, and then she like very dramatically like rides through the night to the secret park where they are having their duel and the two of them haven't started shooting yet and she goes stop and she dives in between the two of them and they're both shocked to see her there and they're like what are you doing here what are you doing here and she is like i need to talk to simon so she pulls him aside and he says I'm not the right husband for you. I'm not a good husband for you. I can't get married because I can't have children. And he even acknowledges to himself at that moment, it's not the full truth, but it's truth enough. And then she's like, it's okay. Let's get married anyway. And then she tells Anthony, she turns to Anthony, she says, we're getting married. And she tells the world that we're getting married. But like, it's, she's under false pretenses. I feel like this just goes back to my point that if, and I realize this doesn't make sense for the time period they're in, but 2020 vision, guys, if he had just been honest from the start and was like, the reason why I can't marry you is because you want to have children and I don't want to have children. And that's a line that like, I'm not willing to cross. This would have been a completely different situation because I feel like she would have known that in all these instances and would have had that in the back of her head. And then she would have been able to take the time to be like, okay, I actually do want to be with this man, regardless of the fact of if like, regardless of having children, like having children is less important to me than being with this man. Because what I feel like he has said kind of at the last minute, like right before at the end of the duel or sorry, right before they were going to duel was essentially I can't have children and she she's now comparing that to him fighting her brother and potentially dying and so she's like okay I'm okay with that whereas if she had known that he just doesn't want children it's not that it's like a medical condition because she's now walking away being like well maybe the surgeon was wrong and he'll be able to give me one child and I won't have the same brood that my mother did with like the Bridgertons but at least I'll have one child that's my own and she even says but like I can't say this to Simon because he wouldn't go through with it if he knew I was holding any sort of hope and I feel like that's a miscommunication and so he does mislead her and then she ignores whatever he's misled which means to like leads to like a like a double misunderstanding yeah so she basically walks away and she's like she turns around after talking to Simon and is like, okay, the duel is off. We are getting married. And so they do, they do agree to get married and they do move forward. And then he is playing like the good fiance and does come to visit her as often as um, they would expect like a suitor of this time to do. Um, but now he is cause they're engaged and it's going to be a very quick engagement. <laughs> There's no trying to hide that. <laughs> they're doing everything. And even, I feel like I zoned out when I was listening to the audiobook, but I feel like her sisters are really just planning everything. Like, I feel like Daphne was kind of just like, well, she in gets, her own world. She reflects back on that whole experience. And she says to herself, I saved a man's life. I got engaged and I learned that I could never have children all in one night. That's a big night, big night. And so she has a really hard time because in the whole next day, now she's engaged and her sisters, her three younger sisters, and I'm going to say this from memory, 
Eloise, Francesca, and Hyacinth. <laughs> Very well done. Not really that it, not impressive. I'm impressed. <laughs> not impressive. Um, they are all dogging her about her ideas for her wedding. They're all over her. They're like, so how many bridesmaids are you going to have? So what's your colors going to be? So what's your flowers going to be like? And she is like totally zoned out, not paying attention because she's like so freaking tired because she didn't sleep last night at all. And also this is really emotionally overwhelming. And so her sisters and her mom are basically in charge of planning this whole wedding. And she's just like out of it, like totally out of it, not paying attention. And that is where we leave this section. Let's discuss our favorite characters and our least favorite characters of the week. Oh, goodness. Okay, let's do this. My favorite character for this week, I feel like, is not very imaginative. It's going to be Antony again. <laughs> I just, listen, maybe I just have a thing for Antony, but I think he called this. He was he was right. He warned them. No one listened to that, like, listened to him. No one, like, I don't know. I just feel, I feel for Antony because I understand. I think he was overdramatic. And I don't think you should ever, like, solve problems with your fists. But I I get where he was coming from. I mean, he kind of had no other choice because yeah, if he, was... he didn't force Simon's hand, Simon was just going to be like, whatever, bye, and, I and think... not take responsibility for the situation. Okay, and I think, honestly, I hate to jump ahead, but this is also going to leave like lead into my like least favorite is going to be Simon. Because the reason why Antony is my favorite is because I feel like Simon was being such a jerk. I'm really disappointed in Simon in these chapters because I feel like he, I just want expected better from him. And I feel like Antony is pushed into this like hard place, especially in the duel. He was like, man, like, why are you doing this? Just like marry her. Like, why are you making me kill you? And I think that that's really unfair because they, in the first part of the book, they were best friends. And now like Simon is like having a fake, relationship with this guy's sister and it's his supposed like best friend and he's risking at like causing her like public shame and then when push comes to shove and he does he's not even gonna like own up to it and get over his own quote-unquote vows he made and realize that like he made his bed now he has to sleep in it and is going to like further damage this girl's reputation and further hurt his friendship like with this like quote-unquote best friend and then force this best friend to then shoot him on the in a duel like you're a shitty friend so yeah i'm gonna stand by antony okay well then i'll go next okay my number one this will be no surprise to anya because i've talked about this separately my number one is colin bridgerton (laughs) colin is cheeky and kind of troublemaker and I love that. And they're at this ball and um, Daphne and Colin are talking and he's like, hey, you better watch out because your suitor is coming up behind you. And she's like, haha, good one, because she knows him to be a prankster. And he's like, well, no, even- really. And then he's like, he's like, no, really. And then she's like, no, really. And he's like, no, really. And then Simon is actually right behind her. And it's like a, he's like, you should have been paying. You should have trusted your favorite brother more okay fine but as someone who has had a like has a brother 
Colin is just such a little git. Like, I'm sorry, but he, like, what he's doing to Daphne, especially during that ball, and he's kind of, like, negging her the entire time, it's so annoying. And I was like, listen, if I was in that exact same situation, and the thing is, is I have been in those situations where I am so socially stressed and my social anxiety is, like, playing up, and the last thing I want is someone, like, to be making jokes at my expense, but that's what brothers do. And it gets under your skin. It drives me crazy. I still love him. <laughs> this is Bergamer. We are going to agree to disagree. I love Colin now. I didn't love Colin in the show. I love Colin in the books. I think he's a cutie patootie. And it's interesting you say that because I honestly feel like I know Colin better in the show than I know him in the books. Like, I feel fun. like he has, like, there's more. You learn more about him in the show. Well, I like him in the show, too. You know, he's engaged. He or he tries to be engaged. He wishes he was engaged to Marina Thompson, who is that pregnant girl. She doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in the books. There's no Marina Thompson. There's no pregnant girl staying with the Featheringtons. Just straight up non-existent. I mean, maybe existent later, I guess. Maybe later, but I feel like it's too late now to introduce because they would need to introduce the entire like Featherington family and like the dad's like gambling addiction, which is like not part of this. So like there's a lot of stuff in the show that like the books just doesn't cover like the books basically are covering the bridgertons and daphne and simon's like love story my least favorite character of the week the one that i was getting most frustrated with was daphne i was more frustrated with daphne than i was with simon because i really i felt like i if you take a step back how much truth does simon owe daphne at this point not that much he doesn't know her that well he hasn't promised her anything he's going by stated intentions he does have desires and feelings outside of those stated words he says i'm not going to get married but he does still like her he's still attracted to her he still has a crush on her but he has no intention of acting on those things whereas secretly this whole time he's saying those things out loud to her and she is like reading some sort of subtext into them where she's like oh he says he won't get married, but maybe he'll get married to me. He says he's not interested in doing that, but maybe he'll make an exception for me. Oh, maybe he he wants to, he says he doesn't want to do that, but I can change him. I can I can mold him into my will. And I don't like that. I don't like the manipulation behind that. And it just makes me feel not good. Uh, no, and I get that. And I understand where you're coming from as viewing that as manipulation. But I guess I view it as more kind of just like, she's naive I know because like, I think a woman in that time period is probably like oh no men really wants to get married because they were like oh the best husband the best I know but her hus- own brother who her own brother kept warning her no I know but she it's like basically her Daphne's entire role is to grow up and get married so for her to meet someone who is like not interested in marriage and that's why I that's why I'm like, it's so unfortunate he didn't expand upon that topic because I feel like if he had given her the context, she might have understood it more. But I think she just hears a rake telling her that they're not interested in marriage. And she's like, oh, I can change that. Because as we talked about in the first half of the book, they were like, the rakes always make the best husbands. And so in her mind, she's like, oh, I can change him, which I think is like, I don't necessarily think it's Daphne's fault. I, I view it as she's just, like, naive. Whereas I feel like Simon, he's been around the block. He's, like, like he's had romances in the past. I would just expect better from him. Okay, fine. Fair enough. 
Fine. Simon's my least favorite. Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Join okay. us next week for weddings and sex talks. The birds and the bees with the Bridgertons. Until then, stay, stay sassy. sassy. Oh, yeah. Happy Easter. <laughs> oh!